You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Mistakes. Hello my radio friends. Welcome to the program today. It seems that we human beings are prone to making mistakes. I play golf each weekday morning and I'm very aware of how a simple mistake can have such a dramatic negative impact on my golf score. There have been some significant mistakes throughout human history. And I want to share three events with you before dealing with the spiritual aspects of this program. The first is about a new Bible printed in 1631 by the Baker Book House in London. In the Ten Commandments, one word was omitted in the Seventh Commandment, which completely changed its meaning. Instead of saying, Thou shalt not commit adultery, this Bible said, Thou shalt commit adultery. The Bible was nicknamed the Wicked Bible. As soon as the mistake was discovered, all the copies were destroyed and the publishers were fined £3,000. And that's probably more like $3 million in today's currency values. That mistake cost the publishers dearly, but nowhere near as much as some other mistakes. Apparently, there were a number of mistakes that led to the sinking of the Titanic in April 1912. 1,500 lives were lost because of those mistakes, and here are several of them. Firstly, while the ship was sailing across the Atlantic Ocean at night, there was a change in the watch. The second officer from the first watch forgot to hand over the keys of the cupboard where the binoculars were stored. Had the binoculars been available, it is possible the icebergs would have been sighted earlier and the collision would have been averted. Secondly, although a large ship is not very nimble and cannot change its course quickly, apparently when the iceberg was sighted, the helmsman steered the wrong way, turning the ship toward rather than away from the iceberg. He realised his mistake soon after making the incorrect manoeuvre, but it was probably too late. The third mistake out of the list of ten is that because the Titanic was reputed to be unsinkable, it was equipped with insufficient lifeboats. More people would have been saved if there were more lifeboats. Now the third one. Have you ever heard of the Australian $50 note mistake? In 2019, 46 million $50 notes were produced by the Australian Mint. That's $23 billion worth of the new notes. One side of the note features David Unipon, and on the other side, Edith Cowan, 
Australia's first female Member of Parliament. In very small letters is a quote on the note of Edith Cowan's first speech in Parliament. It says, It is a great responsibility to be the only woman here, and I want to emphasise the necessity which exists for other women being here. Instead of responsibility, there is a spelling mistake, making the word responsibility to responsibility. Oops! <laughs> Perhaps you'd like to check your $50 notes to see if you have one of the 23 million with the mistake still in circulation. Alexander Pope was right when he said, To err is human. However, we must not forget the second part of what he said. To forgive is divine. You know, the Bible does not cover up the bad things that happened with individuals from the past. Some, like the Judean king David, who in a matter of a few weeks committed both adultery and murder. Fortunately, although David tried to cover up his mistakes for a time, when he was confronted with what he had done, he made a full confession, and God graciously forgave him. Although forgiven, there were some nasty consequences of his crimes. And for us, even though God forgives us, we may have to live with the consequences of our actions. David was forgiven. Judas was not. You see, Judas Iscariot was one of Jesus' twelve disciples. Judas was ambitious and hoped Jesus would set himself up as the new king of the Jews in Israel and Palestine, oust the Romans and the region would no longer be subject to a foreign government. Well, the Bible does not record much about Judas, except nearer to Christ's crucifixion. But it does say that Judas was the keeper of the purse, meaning he looked after the group's money. Each day Judas was expecting Jesus to make a move to seize power with the, with the hope that he, that's Judas, would be given an important position in the new government. But each day Jesus continued to heal, teach and preach without making the expected move. He spoke about the kingdom of God, a spiritual kingdom, which Judas probably interpreted as a physical kingdom. So Judas thought he would intervene and try to force Jesus to make the move to set up a physical kingdom, and so he secretly made a deal to get the ball rolling. And I'll read to you what happened from Luke 22, verses 1 to 6. The Bible says, Now the feast of unleavened bread, called the Passover, was approaching, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples. 
And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. But it all backfired. Judas had made a mistake. His assessment of the situation was completely wrong. Instead of Jesus performing a mighty miracle and proclaiming himself to be the new ruler of Israel, Jesus was crucified by the people he was trying to save. The Gospel of Matthew tells of what happened then regarding Judas, and it's from Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 to 5. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people came to a decision to put Jesus to death. They bound him and led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the Roman governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the thirty silver coins to the chief priests and elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied, that's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Judas made a huge mistake, with terrible consequences to both himself and Jesus. Both died, but only one rose again, and that was Jesus. Judas made a mistake. The Australian Mint made a mistake. Various people who had something to do with the Titanic made a mistake. And the London Baker Bookhouse made a mistake. But does God make mistakes? Now, I've read what some evolutionists have claimed, that God couldn't be responsible for creating man because there seems, in their view, to be a weakness in man's construction, namely a weakness in man's lower back. They further argue that if God is perfect, the human spine should also be perfect. Their accusation actually reveals a flaw in their own understanding of how things were made. If man is a product of evolution, back problems, according to their arguments, reveal that evolution of man, the so-called pinnacle life form, must be incomplete, or that within evolution, living creatures are faulty. Personally, I regard their argument about God as spurious. God makes no mistakes. We're not born with back problems. Those problems develop because of a sedentary lifestyle, insufficient exercise, and sporadic unusual actions on backs that are unprepared for such movements. When one examines the human frame, instead of it being a weakness, it is a marvellous piece of engineering. The spine, 
is a flexible column that supports the upper body allowing it to flex and twist. If the spine were rigid, say like a leg bone, bending and twisting would be impossible. Some spines are made to carry loads they were never designed for. The spinal compression on people who are grossly overweight puts serious strain on otherwise suitable, perfectly functional parts of the human anatomy. The psalmist summed up how the human body is constructed and functions in an accolade in Psalm 129 verse 14 where he said, I will praise you, Lord, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are your works, and that my soul knows full well. God makes no mistakes. Well, what about this? In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 6, we read, The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. Question is, had God made a mistake? Well, we're going to answer that question straight afterwards. What a fellowship, what a joy divine Leaning on the everlasting arms What a blessedness, what a peace is mine Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all alarms Leaning, leaning Leaning on the everlasting arms What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms I have blessed peace with my Lord so near Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all alarms Leaning, leaning Leaning on the everlasting arms Well, the question is, did God make a, mis make a mistake when he made man? And to answer the question, we need go back. To, we need to go back to verse five, which says, "The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil all the time." At creation, God made mankind pure, noble, and good, but because of no fault of his. Satan came and disrupted everything. This reminds me of a child at the beach. She makes a lovely sandcastle and decorates it with shells. But then along comes her little brother and instead of standing to admire the piece of work, he springs forward and jumps on it. What a mess. Like God with sinful man, 
The little girl was devastated. She had made no mistake. The problem lay with the other party. Despite man's sin and rebellion, God tried to bring good from bad, to be proactive and bring out or bring about a good outcome. Unfortunately, because of repeated sin, man has acquired a sinful nature, a default to do what is anti-God. The Apostle Paul, in writing about this, said, The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. And that's from Romans chapter 8, verses 7 and 8. The history of the Israelite people is further evidence of God trying to bring good from bad. Many prophets were used to reconcile man with God. Messages of repentance were given, but mostly went unheeded. Had God made a mistake when he chose the Israelite people who failed in their mission to be his ambassadors to the rest of the world? Well, not really, because some who were faithful were truly his representatives, but the majority were not. Now, don't regard this as strange, because truth usually belongs to the minority. The majority are happy to go along with the status quo. With them, all is well as long as everybody's doing it. Absolute truth, therefore, becomes irrelevant with majority opinion. But there was no excuse for the Israelites. They had the written word of God in his holy law to guide them. They had the prophets who delivered messages to guide the people. But mostly those messages were ignored. In modern times, we too have God's word, the Bible. Right and wrong, as well as the message of salvation and many other things, is there that God wants humanity to know, and it's clearly presented. All you need to do is go to that special book, open it up, and read it for yourself. God made no mistake when he gave mankind the Ten Commandments. They are all comprehensive and complete. They cover mankind's relationship to both God and our fellow human beings. They cannot be improved upon. Now it's obvious that some people think God did make a mistake with the Ten Commandments because they have decided to leave one of them out and to make alterations. The Apostle James calls God's law the perfect law of liberty. It's James 1.25. The Apostle Paul described God's law as holy and just and good, and that's from Romans 7.12. The psalmist David described God's law as perfect. Psalm 19.7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Some say God's holy law was abolished at Calvary and no longer applies. 
Some have substituted another day of worship in place of the seventh-day Sabbath. Some have completely eradicated the second commandment and split in two the tenth. In truth, what these people have done is to proclaim, God, you made a mistake. This is what you should have said. But God makes no mistakes. Those who change what God has said place their lives in jeopardy because they regard themselves and their ideas above that of God. Obviously, they don't realize what is written in Revelation 22:19. This says, And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things written in this book. That means that people who meddle with and teach things that are contrary to God's word will not be given eternal life. If God makes no mistakes, will he overlook ours? Well, the answer is both yes and no. When we acknowledge and repent of what we have done wrong, God promises to forgive us. 1 John 1.9 is this promise. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. On the other hand, if we do not acknowledge or confess our sins... God does not just turn a blind eye and simply say to himself, Ah, he or she did a few good things too, so I won't hold their wrong deeds against them. Although God is merciful, such people disqualify themselves from his mercy. Let me share with you Revelation chapter 22, verses 14 and 15. It says, Blessed are they who do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates to the city. For outside are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loves and practices falsehood. Make no mistake, you cannot fool God. If you know something is right and don't do it, you have sinned. Those are sins of omission. If you deliberately choose to do wrong, that too is sin. Those sins are called sins of commission. Amongst people I know are those who put God's word aside and worship on another day other than on the seventh-day Sabbath. They're happy to work and do non-sacred things on the Sabbath that God forbids them to do on that day. And then there's even worse, when they substitute another day for worship other than the one God authorised, and he hallowed and blessed it as well. Somehow, I think these people have taken God's explicit command and shredded it 
and then put into God's law one of their own invention. Will God forgive them for that? Well, that's not for me to be the judge. But I, for one, am not willing to risk doing such a thing. One last issue today. On the matter of forgiveness, God also makes no mistakes. When we ask for forgiveness and are truly sorry for our wrong actions, we are forgiven if we ask for it. Don't ever think that you cannot be forgiven because you have been too bad. You cannot out-sin God's grace. In John 8.36, Jesus announced, If the Son shall make you free, that means forgives you, he shall make you free and you shall be free indeed. Don't ever presume that you cannot be forgiven. When God makes an unconditional promise, he keeps it. He promises to forgive and he makes no mistakes. Friends, your future depends on what choices you make now. Choose to serve the Lord, because when God judges you, he will make no mistakes. <laughs> 